This is Saving Grace, Living in the Light of God's Love, a broadcast ministry of Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world, committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. And now, our program. Hello, I'm Carmen Pate. I'm your host for today's program. You know, the story seems rather simple. Five of ten virgins who were to watch for the coming of the bridegroom ran out of oil for their lamps and, as a result, missed out on the long-awaited celebration. But now, how are we to interpret this parable shared by Christ? What is the context, and who is the intended audience? How do we make application for our lives today? Well, I know you're going to be encouraged today as our guest helps us consider this passage in light of our fellowship and intimacy with Christ. We're so happy to have back with us on Saving Grace, Dr. Dave Anderson, President and Professor of Biblical Languages and Systematic Theology at Grace School of Theology. He's a graduate of Rice University, and in addition, Dr. Anderson received his Master's in Theology and Doctorate in Greek New Testament and Early Christian Literature from Dallas Theological Seminary. He's the author of many books, including Portraits of Righteousness, Free Grace Soteriology, Saving the Saved, among many, including the book that we're talking about today, Relationship and Fellowship. Welcome back, Dr. Anderson. Well, thank you so much, Carmen. Always good to see you. Well, good to see you as well. We want to talk today about the parable of the ten virgins. And I think we first need to sort of put it in context, Dr. Anderson. It was, of course, part of the Olivet Discourse found in Matthew 25. But what was the purpose of this message with whom uh, Christ was, was addressing? Well, first of all, it might help to see how these uh, all of the discourses arranged, how it's structured. And it really comes off of three questions that the disciples asked Jesus as he's right, sitting next to the temple. Uh, he's, he's just talked about some you know, really serious things that are going to happen, essentially the tribulation period. He's talked about the Antichrist that was prophesied by Daniel the prophet, Matthew 24, uh, 15. Uh, and he's, he gives them the sign of his coming. So the three questions are, uh, when are you going to do all this? What will be the sign of your coming? And what are the signs of the end of the age? And that's set up, the whole, all of the discourse is set up in what we call a chiastic construction. All that means is A, B, C, C prime, B prime, A prime. It's like my saying, okay, I'd like to talk to you today about uh, the three teams on the NFL in in the National Football League. So we're going to talk about uh, the Texans, we're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, and we're going to talk about the Seattle Seahawks. But we're going to start with the Seahawks, and then go back to the Cowboys, and then wind up with the Texans. All right? <laughs> so, so they ask those three questions, and we'll think of those as A, B, C. Okay. What, I mean, when will you do this? Yeah. What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the signs of the end of the age? All right, so I'm going to answer those in reverse order. First of all, 
we're going to talk about the signs of the end of the age. And that goes from verse 4 all the way down through verse 28. Hmm. Then he says, all right, now we're going to talk about the sign of my coming. So he talks about that in 29 through 31. Then he says, as to the question of when, I'm not going to tell you when, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what you shouldn't be doing while you're waiting. Mm. So in verse 32, he starts going through what they should do while they're waiting for him to come back. And essentially, he gives three big parables. And each of these parables is dealing with Christian service. What shall we do while we're waiting for him to come back? He says, don't go out on a hilltop with your rapture robe and wait for my coming. Uh, that's what the Millerites did back in 1844. Right, right. Uh, in fact, uh, there were 9 million people in America at that time. One million of those, one-ninth, got their rapture robes, left their businesses, and went out on the hilltops to wait for Christ's return. Wow. Anyway, he says, I don't want you to do that. I want you to keep working, keep serving, yes. keep doing something for the kingdom while you're waiting for me to come back. Uh, and set up the kingdom. Mm. So, uh, the first parable talks about uh, serving faithfully. And then uh, we come to this parable of the virgins, and it's it's also about service. It's t- teaching something about Christian service. And then the third parable, the talents, is also teaching about Christian service. So they're all so, service, not not about whether you're saved or not. This is about service. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, what you should do while you're waiting for him to return. Correct? Right. Okay. He's talking, he's talking to his disciples. Yeah. They're already serving. Yes, yes. But, okay. but they're also very preoccupied with this idea of setting up the kingdom. And yeah. they want to win. He <laughs> says, I'm not, not going to tell you when. I'll tell you what you should do yeah. while you're waiting. Yes, yes. So I think that's where this uh, this parable fits. That's that's the general setting for it. So re- recap, if you will, the situation that arose for, for these ten virgins. Well, uh, the helpful point there is to see the steps in uh, a wedding in the uh, uh, Middle East and the way that the Jews would do it. There was a betrothal period, which was one year long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, uh, there are different reasons for the betrothal period. One was to establish that she wasn't pregnant, the bride-to-be, and uh, also that they were going to be chaste, faithful during that one year. Uh, if the woman was found pregnant during that year, then her uh, intended spouse actually had the right to kill her or have her killed by stoning. Mm. That's why Mary was in danger uh, when she was with Joseph and she was pregnant. He knew that they had not had a relationship. So it was assumed that uh, by people that she had. And so uh, during that betrothal period, uh, he could have had her killed. Fortunately, uh, God was overseeing all that and had something different in mind. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, at the time of the consummation of the wedding, it was a big celebration. And uh, the groom would come from his town, if it was a different town. And then he would take the bride after, after the ceremony and take her back to his home in the town where he lived. 
Mm-hmm. Of course, that's a, a picture of what Jesus is going to do uh, with us. Uh, we are the bride of Christ, and yes. uh, he's gone off to his city. In the New Jerusalem, that's where he is right now, sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Uh, but at the right time, he's going to come back uh, for the wedding. And uh, he's going to take his bride, uh, and there'll be a wedding ceremony, and he's going to take her to the house that he's prepared for her uh, in the uh, New Jerusalem. So, uh, it's you know, that's the imagery involved. So these ten virgins... You can think of them as bridesmaids, if you want, but it was their role to announce the coming of the bridegroom. And so they were to be watching uh, outside the house where they could see him coming at a distance and then go ahead and announce that uh, to the people getting things set up for the, for the celebration uh, and consummation of the, of, the, of the marriage. So that's, that's the setup. And so, so the the part of that preparation then in, involved oil lamps. Tell us how that fits into the story. Well, if it's thought that uh, the groom is going to come at, uh, during the night, uh, then they'll need some light. And of course, when he sees the ten lamps burning, uh, he would know the right place to go. Uh, really, in solving this, is the most. Uh, I don't want to say misunderstood. It's the most debated and controversial of all the parables. Uh, back when I first studied it, I read 10 commentaries, and no two of them had the same interpretation. So wow. it's, it's, uh, it's very controversial. Now I've come up with what I, what I think it says, but it's nothing I'd go to the wall for, okay? So let's, okay. let's make that clear. I do think I have the gift of dogmatism, but... Uh, I choose not to apply it in, in the case of the virgins. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, the other part that's really important here are these lamps. Uh, think of an Aladdin's lamp uh, where you have a, 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 what do we call them? Missing the word. Wick, what the little oil. Uh huh. Well, anyway, oh, the spout. That's what I'm thinking of. Spout, <laughs> yes, yes. You have a spout coming out of. of of the main body of the lamp. And then in the middle on top is where you would put the oil. You'd pour it in, from, you would pour the oil in from into the spout to go back into the lamp. You pour it into the top of the lamp until it's full. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it's debated what does the oil represent? Uh, but I think the best interpretation is that it represents the Holy Spirit. The other important thing to see here is that all 10 of them had lamps that were burning, uh, not five of them. They all started off with uh, uh, extra oil, also in a flask that was tied uh, to their belt or something that would keep it where they could replenish the oil in their lamp. But it says five of them were wise and five were foolish. All ten went out with their lamps. That presumes all ten were burning. But those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Do you hear that? You had the vessel and you had the lamps. 
So they had extra oil in the vessel, the wise one did, and the foolish ones didn't. All ten had lamps burning, but because the foolish ones did not have extra oil in their uh, vessel, this says, uh, when the lamp uh, that was burning ran out of oil, uh, they wouldn't have any extra to replenish the supply of oil in the in the lamps that they had with them. And so at midnight, it's been dark a while, those lamps have been burning. Uh, the bridegroom was delayed by something, so they all kind of fell asleep. And then at midnight, the bridegroom was coming, and they said, go out and meet him. So all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Now that, again, is more proof that all ten lamps were burning. The right. way you would trim the lamp is take a little tool uh, and knock off the, the burnt part of the wick, and you pull out some more wick. Well, and then light it. The problem is they didn't have any oil to keep, keep that uh, extra wick burning. Uh, so they all trimmed their lamps, took the burnt part of the wick off, the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. The wise answered, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came, those who were ready, went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. And so these who had run out of oil take off to buy some. But when they come back, the... Uh, Opportunity to get into the wedding is gone. The door so, is shut. Yes, yes. Wow. So I can see why wow. <laughs> there are so many different interpretations of this yeah. and lots yeah. of confusion. Yeah. So just based on uh, what as we, we we think about our fellowship with the Lord and our, our service to the Lord, how do you suggest that biblically we make application for our lives using this parable? Well, before we get to application, we might do a little more interpretation, meaning uh, yes. one reason, among others, there's so much controversy, is there are different views on the Holy Spirit. Uh, mm. And so some people uh, believe that you don't get the Holy Spirit after you believe for quite some time, they see it as a second blessing. That's yes, what John yes. Wesley taught, for example. That's, That's right. what the Methodist Church today still teaches. And many people in the Pentecostal movement, or the Assemblies of God, some of them teach two baptisms. You get one baptism by the Holy Spirit that puts you in the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. But you get another baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, to, for power and victory in your Christian life. So they would get that out of Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 9, Acts 19. Uh, and so if you think in along those lines, uh, then you have an issue of well, when to get the baptism of the Spirit. Uh, now, we, we have a different approach to it. We think the uh, scriptures teach from uh, Cornelius that you get the Holy Spirit the moment you believe in Christ, the moment you believe the gospel, the moment you receive eternal life, you also are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And we would get that from the sealing of Ephesians 1, verse 13, 14. We would get it from Ephesians 4, 
verse 30. And uh, so we think you get that baptism the moment you're a Christian. That's why in this parable, if the oil does represent the Holy Spirit, then all ten virgins have the oil. That means all ten are born-again Christians. That's right. All ten. And we also think that the Holy Spirit can't be taken from you once he's there. Now, you can choose to walk by him be or be led by him, or you can follow the flesh. That's the difference between victory and defeat in your Christian life. But it doesn't go from uh, Christian to non-Christian. The Holy Spirit yeah. stays with you. But again, it's an issue of fellowship. So how does it apply to our life? Well, uh, why is it in here? Uh, you, you've got in front of it a parable about serving the Lord faithfully and what happens if you don't. And then you have this one. So what might he be saying? Well, this again is just my suggestion. But I think he's saying you can go out to serve the Lord, but if you don't pay special attention to your own spiritual life, which is something that's internal, uh, which has external fruit, then you're in trouble. And at some point, you'll probably burn out. So I think it's a burnout issue. You can serve the Lord faithfully, uh, but run out of juice, you might say. Uh, mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm again thinking of a pastor friend who after preaching for I don't know how many years, he just quit and said he never wanted to see a pulpit again as long as he lived. Mm. Now, he was quite gifted, and that was part of the problem. <laughs> he was so gifted he had invitations all over America uh, mm. to come and, and speak. Right. So he said he never took a day off. Uh, he said if he, he did take some days off from his church, but he said when he took days off from his church, he was speaking somewhere else. Mm. So essentially, he never took a break in the work he was doing for the Lord, which was amazing. I mean, he was quite gifted, and people responded everywhere. And then he finally burned out. So I think you uh, have to learn to pace yourself as you serve the Lord. Uh, the demand is so great, the fields widen to harvest. Just step out your front door, and someone's going to want some encouragement, some meaning in life. What's what's it all about? And uh, you have the answer. You have the answer. Uh, so there always will be demand for someone willing to step out and give the answer. Uh, but if you're not careful, uh, you'll get overwhelmed and you'll burn out. So part of it's knowing boundaries, uh, knowing when to say no for sake of the long-term ministry so you don't burn out. And to yeah. me, that's what this parable is talking about. And, and leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit and not trying to do everything in your own power, right? So that oh, yeah. you are being filled by the Spirit so that you've got something to overflow, right? <laughs> so, yes, yeah. And you also talk about the fact that we have individual responsibility, that there is a price to pay. Uh, what does that look like for the believer? Well, in this parable, that's where it comes. It says they, they want some of the oil that the wise virgins had had brought, and they say, uh-uh, go get your own oil. And I think he's, he's trying to tell us there that uh, it's, it's, it's not your mother's responsibility to make sure you get out there and do something with the, the gifts God has given you. It's your responsibility. 
uh, each person uh, is responsible to the Lord for what he has. And uh, he has to go out there and not only use what God has given him, but uh, pay attention to his walk with the Lord. Uh, learn to be aware of when you're drifting. Uh, watch uh, as your devotion uh, ebbs. And, uh, so be careful. That, no one can really do that for you. I can't look in your heart and see what's going on. Now, fortunately, the Lord can. and He'll give you promptings and conviction and encouragement and leadership, but uh, still you have to respond. He won't force you. That's so true. And I think you're so right. I, I, and probably anyone listening who's a believer knows that when you are, you know when you're drifting. You know when you're stagnant in your walk uh, because the Holy Spirit does. He does convict. And you go, oh, wow, I, I really need to spend more time in the Word. Or, I, wow, I need to spend more time in prayer because you just sense that something is not as close to the Lord as, as, you, as you were yesterday. Uh, and I, I'm thankful for that, Dr. Anderson, that the Holy Spirit has that role in our lives. Because I think with the enemy always <laughs> luring, trying to lure us away, it'd be easy to fall, to fall away if we are not aware of that conviction. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times God will use the marriage as a picture of his relationship with us. Mm. And you can be married and be very lonely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the loneliest people I know are married people. In fact, they're less lonely in a house that's empty than in a house with another human being that you never talk to. Oh, goodness, The, yeah. the loneliness in that situation is palpable. Uh, you, you can cut it with a knife. Mm-hmm. And uh, how does that loneliness develop between husband and wife? Well, they, at some point, they stop talking to each other. We won't go into all the reasons why, but that's what happens. Sure. So what's missing at that point? Well, we call it fellowship. Yeah. Now, it's exactly the same with God. Yes. At some point, the communication lines are broken, <laughs> and you stop talking to each other. When that happens, you lose the intimacy. And when you lose the intimacy, you're aware of it. You miss it. And you know what it's like. And you long to have it restored. Mm. Very good analogy. Unless you're just so mad at him that uh, you, <laughs> think you, would, you, think, you think he owes you, that you, you just you sabotage the relationship mm. by breaking fellowship on purpose. Yeah. And we see that, too. We see that, too, not only in marriage, but in our relationship with the Lord. People that get angry with God and just stop going to church, stop reading the word and fall further away. Mm. Yep. Well, finally, you remind us that our responsibility is immediate uh, because when Christ returns, that's going to be immediate. (laughs) Uh, And so if we are serving him, uh, then I, I, we need to understand the immediacy of, of what we are called to do. Talk, so talk about the attitudes that keep us from preparing, preparing now. Why are we not thinking? You know, it, it is imminent. It, we need to be ready. Well, why we're not thinking is because probably the world has uh, attracted us or distracted us, uh, either one, uh, to focusing on uh earthly things. That's what happened to the people in Philippians 3, whose God was their belly. Uh, 
especially if you live in a country as blessed as America, ah. with so many <clears throat> wonderful, wonderful things. I'm not talking about evil things. You have that in every country. I'm talking about just the uh, wonderful things we have to enjoy here. You can get caught up in that and want more and more of it. Slowly, uh, as it says in Romans 8, you become carnally minded. And he says uh, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So uh, it doesn't matter what you find in an acquisitive society, acquiring more and more and more. Uh, if you don't have life and peace, what do you have? <laughs> Not exactly. Much. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that can distract us from thinking about his return in the future. I love Psalm 90 because Psalm 90 actually says, plan, number your days. And if God gives you 70, that's wonderful. If you get 80, you're blessed. Uh, you know, people are living longer and longer now. Uh, so I think you ought to plan as though you're going to be 90. You'll live to be 90. But you should live as though it's coming today. Mm -hmm. And that balance is, is hard to find. Uh, but it's, it's, it's essential to do what, to be watching, as Christ says here. Uh, to do that, you have to uh, keep your eyes on the future and uh, also plan for the future. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the importance, if you would, to just of not isolating yourself, I, I think in this, you know, COVID caused a lot of isolation those years. And it's like that's lingered with a lot of folks. Uh, it's like, you know what I did just fine in my home, not going to church, not not going to fellowship opportunities. Uh, just stress in our in our final moment that importance uh, of being with believers to be encouraged in our faith. Okay, I will, but Carmen, I think before we leave this parable, we better talk about uh, I do not know you. Mm, that's right, yes. Because, yes. Uh, you know, the door is shut. And it's not that these virgins don't want in. You know, they're begging mm -hmm. to get in. Yes, so yes. if you think this is about a uh, relationship, you've got a problem. Because he's saying there seems to be a contradiction. In other words, they have oil in their lamp and burning and they're serving, etc., uh, but all of a sudden they make one foolish mistake and they shut out of the kingdom of heaven. So I don't take the word no here in that sense. In Greek, it's the word oida, which is different from gnosko. Gnosko okay. means an experiential knowledge. That means that, you know, someone who knows in that sense is born again. Okay. Sure. But oida, this is talking about intimate knowledge. It's like gnosko uh, intensified which we find several times in the New Testament. Uh, but I think this is talking about intimacy. Mm -hmm. He's saying, no, I don't have intimate fellowship with you. That's something that was your responsibility along the way. That's the oil to keep in your lap. Okay? Yes, very good. Very good. Very and good. And as far as uh, uh, fellowship with each other, you know, he says in uh, Hebrews 10.25, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together as the matter of some is, but so much more, get together so much more as you see the day approaching. Amen. God did not create us to be hermits. Uh, someone said you can measure the victorious Christian life by the fruit of the Spirit. 
Have you ever thought of how many of those fruits you could develop if you were a hermit? Mm, done. <laughs> yeah. Long Very suffering? Good. Well, there's no one to be long suffering with if you're right. a hermit. So That's right. a lot of those fruits are developed in in the context of community. But also the blessings. There's a strength and fellowship. Group prayer is amazing. Look at that in the book of Acts. So many reasons to get together. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again, Dr. Anderson, for the helpful insight on this parable and the encouragement to keep our oil burning. So, uh, well, I hope our discussion has motivated you, our listeners, to check out our program notes to learn more about Dr. Anderson's book, Relationship and Fellowship. Check out our website at gsot.edu. That's gsot.edu to learn about uh, opportunities for earning a degree uh, or also for learning uh, more about your walk with the Lord and uh developing and growing your love for him. Just uh, go to gsot.edu or download the Grace app. Thanks for joining us today. Tell others about Saving Grace. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You've been listening to Saving Grace. For more information about Grace Center for Spiritual Development or this program, visit our website at gsot.edu slash center or download the Grace app through your smartphone. Views expressed on this program may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.